What's up, everybody? It's your main man, Kale Breezy. And on this episode, gonna be talking about Halloween 2. Continue on with this Halloween franchise rundown. Oh, my gosh. I'm still debating if I'm gonna do a, a ranking video. It's kind of hard to do when they're still making films. And Halloween Kills come out in October. Will I even be done with all these films? But I think I'll be done by the time October runs around. I should be. I don't know. But anyway, let's get straight to Halloween 2. Not the remake where I was on did, but the original Halloween 2, which was done 1981. And even though this is a sequel, it's it done three years apart. It still takes place from night he came home from Halloween 1. This is just continuing on because at the end, you know, Sam Loomis, Dr. Loomis shot him six times. He shot him six times, shot him six times. Um, Michael didn't stay down. He got up and walked away. And now they're transporting Laura to a hospital for medical attention. And this pretty much takes place at the hospital. This one takes place at a hospital. Um, I can say um, this was a good sequel. You know, um, it had more kills. Definitely had more kills in this one. He did a lot more killing in considering in the hospital. And not during time, you gonna get a good hospital horror movie. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I enjoyed this sequel. Um, it was a different person playing uh, Michael this time around. Um, it was Dick Warlock. We'll see him again. In the franchise, yeah, probably don't notice it, but yeah, we will see Dick Warlock again. Well, we still got Jamie Lee Curtis being Laurie Strode, Laurie, Laurie Strode, Donald Pleasance, yeah, still around. And you know, um, got some new people coming in. Pretty much, you gotta bring a few people in because you gotta kill somebody. Can't kill Dr. Loomis and Laurie Strode, so let me get a reveal in this one. But let's go through it. Um, Michael and and one like. One of them, this one shot, just walks around him walking around. He um, takes a knife from one elderly person's house. He didn't kill the elderly people. That's, I guess that's cool. But then he sees a teenager and they did not have her door locked. Why didn't she not have her door locked? The door wasn't locked and he came in, stabbed and killed her. And continue on. So, ended up making his way um, through the, to the hospital. And it's crazy because. The police are driving around trying to find him. Like they just drive, like really people are, like driving past him as always. And this little kid with the boombox with the cowboy hat on, the jeans outfit. You know, the kid once again running to him just like Tommy did in the first one. And the kids are bullying him. Well, the kids are bullying him, Tommy ran to Michael and out of the little kid's radio. You can see that again down the road. Yeah. But anyway, um, like I said, Michael makes his way to the hospital where part two of his. Killing spree goes on. He killed um the security guard with the damn <laughs> with the hammer in the head. And it's funny because um in Friday Thirteen Part Two, a law enforcement person got killed with a hammer by Jason. So that's something they have in common of them. And I think both sequels were done. They're saying you Halloween Two and Friday Thirteen Part Two. Well, yeah, they both were done. Nineteen eighty one, and both had a kill scene with the hammer interesting that's pretty cool that's pretty good stuff i like that it's cool um yeah he killed them and had some cool kills like um had some off screen kind of off screen but not really just seeing it like he choked the dude bud at the ambulance driver who had to who, you know ambulance drive with the cute dude <laughs> no homo um jimmy he was all in love with Lori Strode because he just went out there at her room talking to her. And he gave, Jimmy gave Lori the um, backstory of Michael Myers, you know, how he escaped and everything. Yeah. 
in the lineup that Sonny Sheets. They figured find out who he is. Michael Marsh, like the little boy who killed his sister. Yeah, him. He escaped. They let him out. He escaped. They ain't let him out. He escaped. But anyway, Bud got strangled because he was trying to get it on in a therapeutic hot tub with a nurse. Think nurse Karen? Yeah, whatever. But yeah, um, but Michael he turned the water so high, made Bud got to check the temperature, and he got killed. And she was trying to get out the hot tub, and like she was kissing on Michael's hand because he was like standing behind her. She was like, when you looked at his hand, like, did you not tell there wasn't blood? Because Michael's hand was dirty and cold and ugh, probably blood on it. You just licking and rubbing and kissing on it, sucking on his fingers. And then she turned around and Michael just started dunking the head repeatedly in the therapeutic hot tub. And just you can it was a good effect because you got some the skin pulling her face and ooh, she was dead. That was a good kill. Like that kill. Pretty dope kill. Um <laughs> like I said, he was on the killing spree. Um and Laura, she was really drugged up because she um from the night early the night she um ankle she had to go have knee surgery on the shoulder got cut in like just really bad place and with jimmy just he's persistent he was all in her face no one leave alone but the head nurse in charge mrs um alvarez i think that's how you say her name alvarez yeah yeah <laughs> all trying to keep on she was cop locking my, on my boy man cop locking on my boy my boy was trying to do a thing and the uh, dr mixer he was lit Three sheets to the wind, coming from a party. <laughs> he got killed. Yeah. And then another um nurse got killed because you know, he took a syringe, you know, and like in her eye or head and just pushed air into it. Yeah, and killed her, stabbed her, killed her. Now she was dead. And then on the head nurse in charge, she got killed off screen, but Jimmy found her body laying in the operating room on a table with blood coming out of her arm and like she got strangled but yeah there was blood coming out of her arm because like jason was taking blood it was just hitting the floor and jimmy tripped and over and fell and knocked himself out like jessica said knock yourself out yeah but it's like and it, it was crazy this hospital it's like where was the staff where were the other patients were they all sleep through all this and it was at night, you know, but still, it was my, even I've been in hospitals at night, and it's still a lot going on, you know. I mean, part of the town smaller, but hadn't feel, but still, it's a hospital. Like, where are the other patients? No other patients trying to walk around and, you know, chill or nothing. No families visiting their patients. I don't know. I don't know, man. Whatever. But, um, yeah. So, Dr. Loomis, he's, you know, trying to find down, find Michael, and with the sheriff, they went to the school. And when apparently Michael went, he rolled on the board when blood, um, Samhain, something, I can't even pronounce it. That's when his nurse came, um, Dr. Loomis' nurse came, um, Marion Chambers showed up and like, hey, tell him like, hey, bruh, the state wants you to come back. They want you out of here. They want you out of this town. You're done. <laughs> the marshal showed up like, yeah, the marshal outside, you got to go. And then that's when she gave a plot twist. Told the whole world down that a secret that nobody knew from the first one that they came up with that make things easier, scarier, supposedly. Um, that um that Lori Strode is Michael Myers' little sister. That there was a foul that just got hidden that 
after the Michael Myers' parents, after the trial, after Michael's parents, they apparently died in a car accident or whatever, something. And the girl got put up for adoption, and the Stroll family, they, they adopted her, took her in. So apparently Michael, that's why he's even wanted to kill his sister for 16 years. His older sister, Judith, was 16. Now he's killing his sister. She's 16. So, yeah, killing little sister. I I I like the element of not knowing why he's killing, just like just evil for no reason. Just I gotta kill, I wanna kill, I'm gonna kill. I'm not gonna stop me. So anyway, Dr. Loomis, he makes his way back. He pretty much takes the Marshall and gunpoint, make him drive back. You don't wanna kill him, kick him in the car because like he may need him to stop Michael. So we end up getting this great chase scene between Lori and Michael, because Michael he killed one of the nurses with a, he was kind of scalpel. He didn't have a knife. He had a scalpel when he was killing. And he stabbed her in the back and looked off the um, ground. Her shoes came off and dropped her and led to the chase scene between Michael and Lori. She's trying to run. She fell asleep and drunk and slipped off some of the medicine. So she's running. She's chasing him. He, he got close a couple of times, but got away. And she managed to make it outside and got in the car when the car was unlocked. But but when doing some downtown, Michael said, I'm going to cut out the tires, cut the gas line, so nobody ain't going nowhere, buddy. Good buddy, you're off stuck. So, Lord's hiding in the car. Next thing we know, we see somebody walking. Somebody's walking him a shadow, stumbling. Like, damn, he found. Damn, he found. She's stuck. It was Jimmy. He pretty much got a concussion because he's out of it after hitting the floor. He's trying to start it and start it, but he can't start it. No gas. So, she's just pretty much trying to start it and start it. Like, damn. That's when Dr. Loomis, Ms. Chambers, and the Marshall show up. They go in, and Lori trying to get their attention. And as soon as she let out a loud scream, help me, and get up, Michael pops out of nowhere from the far distance. Like, oh, there you are. The chase begins. She gets to the door, banging on the door again. She banging on the door. Dr. Loomis and I don't make it to the door, let her in. They try to run a little bit. They look back. Think the loud door is going to stop Michael. Michael went right through the glass doors. Of course, Dr. Loomis shot him again. He went down. And people just don't listen, man, to Dr. Loomis. He told their marshal, get away from him, don't touch him. The marshal, like, he stopped breathing. Man, they may have faked him out, slit that man's throat. But Miss Chambers, she went outside the car for backup. Like, I, I would get the same thing. Like, Y'all stand here with him. I'm going outside the car for help. If I keep my eyes on the door in just case he get up, I ain't coming back. I wouldn't came back either. And when he, Dr. Loomis told her, hey, Go outside and use the radio and coffee up. I'm like, I'm going with her just in case somebody else comes or some more danger. Y'all stay here. Yeah, I got guns. I don't. Out of here, deuces. So Michael gets up chasing down Dr. Loomis and Lori. They chase, he chase them all down to an operation room where Dr. Loomis has another gun trying to get a lure, but she's so scared sitting in the corner and chasing. I'm sorry, damn. Michael busts through the door. <laughs> Dr. Loomis goes to shoot him, but the gun don't work. Gun jam. Uh oh. Michael stabs him in the stomach with the scalpel. Ugh. He goes down. Thought he was dead. Michael goes to Lori, and then Lori calls him. He stops, tilts his head, looks at him, and starts going. And somehow, a woman who apparently never shot a gun before, she shoots him in both eyes. Well, close enough to the eyes. If it has you not, because he couldn't see, he was blind. Like, how in the hell she that accurate with a gun to shoot him in the, both eyes? And there's two shots. That's two. Pow, pow. Pew, pew. In the eyes. But he didn't stop him. He was still trying to cut and slice her. So Dr. Loomis got an idea of the distraction. Start cutting on the gas and oxygen tanks and all that good stuff. And throw him off like, I can hear you, but I don't know where he at. So she started doing it. Oxygen tank and 
and gas going on. And Michael's like, where the hell is everybody? So Lori runs out, runs to get away. And Dalton pretty much sacrifices himself and lit a lighter. And boom! Blows up. Him and Michael. Go night, night. Pew, pew. But that Michael's still going. He's walking. So we're like, no, no, no. And eventually Michael just falls out. And he's done. It's over. Morning comes. Fire department shows up. Put the fires out. Puts Lori back in the ambulance. Takes her to the hospital, I guess. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this is a good sequel. It was like one of those sequels that it's like ongoing story for one night and i guess you know what once again i feel like friday 13 was getting ripped off in a way down the road they ripped off halloween because parts two three and four i repeat they like back story like back to back to back they're not like years apart they're like days apart in a way maybe not so but in the kind of but halloween our dog is pretty much the slash thing and Friday 13th creators, they said that they pretty much ripped off Halloween. So, anyway, yeah. I enjoyed this sequel. This one had a bigger kill count, more kills, a little more creative. It's good seeing Michael killing again. You know, he got shot six times. He got shot a lot of times. Still kept going. Just a mere human being. How about that? So, anyway, let's get into some things that we all, you may know or may not know. Stuff that I know I may not know. So, number one. First one, um, they never intended to make a sequel. Mm-mm. Yeah, even though, like, slasher movies and so many has sequels and things, but they never meant to make a sequel, in, you know what I mean? I mean, a lot of, you know, Friday 13, number industry, you know, they never intended to have sequels. Like, back then, these slasher movies, big ones, like, well, like, Nightmare on Street and Friday 13, how they never meant to. It has been a one-off movie, and, it, and let that be it. I mean, we do it nowadays, the modern days, but that was not the goal. Halloween ending was purely an evil, never dies type thing. You know what I mean? It's, it was always scripted to end on Laura and Dr. Loomis. Was that the boogeyman exchange? But prolonged in the editing room at the film, editor Tommy Lee Wallace told Real Terror, Almost as an afterthought. We had him get up and walk away and shot some extra footage of the blank ground. Then the other empty shots were stolen from other sequences. Um, that was not the plan on the film. I think it was just a good way for of drawing a curtain and saying this was just a story. But now it's in your face. It's on your street. It's everywhere. That's a nice way to end a movie. But yeah, they, they never planned on doing a sequel. No, they didn't. They, they really didn't. I mean, I don't... I don't. If they would have stopped, great. But well, I'm kind of glad they did because Michael Myers became a really huge, iconic thing. Another one. Um, turning Lori into Michael's sister was the result of sleep, deprivation, too much alcohol, and writer's block. As a standalone horror movie, Halloween, you know, is simply the story of an unknowable and oddly unkillable escape mental patient wreaking havoc on a couple of teenagers in a small town for no apparent reason other than uh, he's just evil, you know. So, but as part of a W Future Halloween 2, 
go. It's the story of a boy, you know, wants to go kill his older sister and then return home years later to kill his younger sister. Yeah. And then they just decide to give this man a motive. They kind of take away a layer of evil, like scary evil, when they gave this man a motive. Like, oh. Yes, you know, beyond simply, you know, the scare and maim and sacrifice Michael's powers, like sending him at the boogeyman in the process. Like, you guys have a motive. John Carpenter, who he co wrote um, the script with Deborah Hill, has long maintained this was simply the result of late nights, tuning cans of beer, and a mad case of writer's block. He said um, he didn't know what else to do with the sequel, most because he didn't want to make the sequel in the first place. That's what he told Deadline in 2014. Yeah. It, yeah, John Carpenter didn't want to do it. No, he didn't. Yeah, he he got Jamie Lee Curtis to do it, even though she was doing other movies like um, Terror Train. It's, I'm not sure what dates, but I just know the other movie she was in. Um, the Fog. And she had the hair, but she cut her hair and everything. We're doing other movies. But that's why that ugly wig she had on in part Halloween 2. That's where that came from. Yes, yes, that's where it came from. That's why she's wearing the ugly wig because she had cut her hair. I think for the when she did the fog, she cut her hair. No, I think Terror Train. One of damn it, I think Terror Train. Yeah. Anyway, another one. Additional story ideas include setting it years later in a high rise apartment building and or maybe doing it in three D. I'm glad they stuck with what they did. Um, so like three years had passed in between the movies, of course. So. Their natural impulse was to build that into the script and set the entire film inside a high-rise apartment building. Lord would have moved to, or the night he came to, came home to, to the night he was buzzed up. What the fuck? I guess so. It's gonna be the night he came home to the night he was buzzed up. Buzz. Come on in. Yeah. Mm. That was ideal. Was, was dropped during story means in favor of direct sequel picking up literally. A minute after the final film, which I'm so grateful. And for 3D, Deborah Hill, um, she told Fangoria, we investigated a number of 3D processes following, but they were far too expensive for this particular project. Also, most of the projects we do involve a lot of night shooting. Evil lurks at night. It's hard to do 3D at night, which uh, Friday 13 Part 3, we had to find out the hard way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so anyway, well, um, another one. You can blame the gore on John Carpenter, not the film's actual director. I'm not blaming on nobody. I'm grateful for the gore. Serious. Thank you, man. I was grateful. But anyway, by the time Halloween Two came out in 1981, theaters had become overrun with low-budget, low-quality slashers. They're like the burning, New Year's Eve, prom night, Christmas Eve of my bloody Valentine, happy birthday to me, graduation day, terror train, final exam, and most blatantly Friday the 13th, part one and two. You know, um, as uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, he, uh, he told 25 years of terror, other movie sort of imitators had come along and got their business off of sheer gore. John felt the pressures of the marketplace, so he wrote Halloween 2 to that marketplace. Because, yeah, a lot of those slash movies, they were like, gorier. They weren't just 
stab your dead or hang your dead or shoot you you're dead. Yeah, gory. The kids got a lot more gruesome and bloody and gore, especially in the Friday 13th series. So, yeah. So, um, John Carpenter, he he had to up the ante to, you know, kind of stick with the imitators or the ones that just kind of ride and wave or what Halloween did. So they had to, like, they made the stuff gory to stand out. So he's like, I'm not going to get left behind, so I'm going to make my stuff gory too. Why the hell not? I got no, I got no problem with that. That's good stuff. That's a good idea to me. Alright, while well, Make Halloween 2, they also film extra scenes for the TV version of Halloween. <sighs> yeah, okay. I'm not going to feed into that. Anyway, Pamela Susan Shoop cried on the drive to the set when she had to film her nude scene. Pamela um, Susan Shoop, she's the one who died in the, the therapeutic hot tub. She cried, I guess, because she didn't want to do the, she didn't want to do the nude. It's cool, though, baby. It's all right. You know, it's hard movies. It's, you know, you do a good enough acting, people going to forget all about you being naked. Yet. Anyway, so, another one. They cast a black woman in her 20s to play a character who was written to be a white woman in her 50s. Uh, yeah. Okay. Gloria. Gloria. Blah, blah, blah. Can't even get that fucking right. Gloria Gifford, Mrs. Avers, is the no nonsense charge nurse. This is what I'm talking about of Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. And sadly, most like most black women in horror movies, she doesn't make it in the yet. She got killed. That's why the most land the blood table and blood come out of her arm. Yeah. Most black people don't make out of horror movies, especially like in the late 70s and early in the 80s. Black people weren't making it. We didn't start making out the horror movies until like the 90s. Um, except for the thing. Who knows if they really. He made out that horror movie, but it wasn't, it wasn't common. <laughs> anyway, she apparently, her character was supposed to go to a. It was written for an old 50 year old white lady. But they gave it to him. They made it her. She'd be a black woman, 20. She ain't playing. I like that kind of nerd. Like, I don't play that. Get out of here. My patients need to sleep. Fun fact, though, um, after Halloween 2, Miss Gifford went on to become a well-known acting coach and American Film Institute instructor, teaching, among so many others, Jenna Elfman and Wonder Woman's Patty Jenkins. Big ups to her. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on. So, another one. Is that? No, it can't be. But I swear that Dana's Carvey in the background... Yeah, Dana Carvey. So yeah, um, we yeah got a star somewhere. Um, and Dana Carvey, the future Saturday Night Live and Wayne's World star, that meant standing and silently shaking his head in response to reporters' orders during the, you know you know during the scene when they were interviewing. <laughs> You know, Dana Carvey, go look, just look up the person. I don't care. If you don't know who it is, go look it up. Wayne's World, that should tell you something. Who? 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 Wayne? Come on, guys. Anyways, moving on. Sadly, last but not least, sadly, life imitated art when a murderer claimed to have been influenced by Halloween 2. 
got to take the car away out, huh? Got to be a coward about it, huh, buddy? But anyway, a guy named Richard Delmore murdered an elderly couple in Fullerton, California on December 7, 1982, stabbing them 43 times. Wow. During the trial, he claimed to have been suffering from hallucinations brought on by viewing Halloween 2 while under the influence of PCP, marijuana, and alcohol. Since this was a central part of the defense, the entire film was screened for the jury, making the first time a film has been used as evidence in a trial like that. Of course, they might have found guilty and sentenced to death. Come on now. You really don't think they're going to believe a movie? He was on drugs. He killed somebody. That's the end of the story. Guilty. And, and was, you know, he was later retried. Again, found guilty multiple times for procedural reasons. You know, so. Apparently, I don't know if he's still alive. I'm going to look this dude up, see if he's still alive. I don't know. Maybe he may have died because this happened in 1992. So maybe he, he did. But anyway, let's get to the box numbers. Um, Box office, this movie did um $25 million domestic. With um a budget of two point five million, booyah, big up. That's what's up. They made their money back. This movie being an hour and a half long, which is rightfully rated R film, rated R. Big up to them. But this is something that I forgot to mention. Um, I'm trying to say it lastly, but I'm gonna get into a little more. But John Carpenter didn't want to make the sequel. He wanted to make this the Halloween thing an anthology. But I get into a little more of that um, next week when I talk about Halloween 3. So, yeah. Anyway, guys, this is your main man, Kevin Breeze. Just talking about Halloween 2, 1981 version, not the remake. Drayden had to talk about those. I have to watch those again because I can't remember too much from them other than they sucked. But it sucked. Halloween 1 remake was okay. But anyway. Um, but anyway, you're my man, Kel Breezy, guys. Don't forget to click that link down below to support my boy, Benny Anderson, and all his music. Again, I want to thank you for letting me use his music. Can't wait for the next one. Next album drop that he does. The link down below for the Kells World Podcast and the Wrestling Ranch 901. Merchandise, that link down below as well, guys. This is your main man, Kel Breezy. This is Kells World. It's a fun place. It's a happy place. It's a loving place. One love, and I'm out.